right, we'll go ahead and get started. Good morning, everyone. I'm not sure why we're having technical difficulties, but we'll see if we can get Tim um, Tim in on this. But good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Week Ahead in Tech Sledge. Uh, my name is Jeremy Kitchen. I'm the Executive Director of Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. Uh, we'll be joined hopefully here shortly with our, uh, our President CEO, Tim Harden. Uh, but want to introduce our special guest, uh, Vance Ginn. PhD economist, um, president of, of Ginn Consulting Firm, correct, Vance? So how are you this morning? Hey, yeah, that's right, Jeremy. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. I appreciate you joining us this morning. I know you've been sick this last week, so hopefully yeah. everything is, is good and you're on the mend. Yeah, I've got some congestion, so I might have to push mute every once in a while as they cough, but otherwise I'm doing okay. <laughs> well, we appreciate it nonetheless. Uh, we'll go ahead and get started here. So the, the, I think the focus of today's episode was going to be kind of a compare and contrast, if you will, of kind of the leading property tax relief proposals that are already making their way through the legislative process. So, uh, of course, we're speaking today's episode is on day, I, I believe, day 70 of the ongoing legislative session. So that, that marks officially halfway done of the 140-day um, total session. Uh, you know, we've seen already uh, we had House Bill 2, which uh, they've dubbed as the Texas Property Tax Relief Act, get a hearing last week in the Texas House Ways and Means Committee. Uh, we, of course, saw Senate Bill 3, Senate Bill 4, and Senate Bill 5, which, for lack of a better term, is kind of the prioritized property tax relief package making its way through the Senate. Uh, we saw that uh, also get a hearing in the Senate Finance Committee uh, uh, committee last week. Um, you know, they did vote out officially Senate Bill 4, which we'll talk about. Senate Bill 3 was voted out as well, but that's not has not been put on the calendar yet. And I believe the intent is for Senate Bill 5 uh, to be voted out today in a Senate Finance Committee. Vance, if you don't mind, I know this is a tall order, but maybe do kind of a quick 30,000 foot comparison between all of the approaches thus far. Yeah, Jeremy. Um, so overall, when you look at the Senate's package, like you said, SB3, uh, which SB3 is the homestead exemption increase, uh, you know, from $40,000 to $70,000, so a $30,000 increase there. Um, there's also some changes that, that, that happen with uh, 65 and older, uh, where they're also increasing the amount that they will have underneath their homestead exemption as well to try to provide some relief for them. Um, and so you've got a pretty large amount of money um, going to that. Then you have SB4, which is the compression along with some changes to the maximum rate that they can set, um, which also has what's called a collar, which some districts will end up getting more money than, than others um, to try to equalize some of that out there and to reduce some of the, ro the Robin Hood. Um, that one's about $5.4 billion towards compression. Um, then you have Senate Bill 5, which Senate Bill 5 is um, the personal business personal private property or private personal property where they're trying to r raise some of the credits that go towards that, basically try to reduce some of that tax liability on businesses. Um, that is a Parker bill. The other two are Betancourt bills. And um, SB 5 is about $1.5 billion. And we've got to remember, you know, their overall package in the Senate, they're billing it as, as $16.5 billion dollars. But out of that $16.5 billion, $5.3 billion is for um, previous tax relief, you know, in previous sessions. You know, we had 2019, you had HB3, 2021, we had the homestead exemption increase. And so you have some maintaining of those, those tax relief measures 
that you've got to continue to pay for over time. So that's the $5.3 billion. So really we're talking about $11.2 billion of quote-unquote new relief, right? And then only $5.4 billion of that is going towards new compression, which compression is, is the gold standard because everyone benefits from that rate compression of reducing those tax rates, whether, you're, whether you have a home or a business or you're a renter, right? Because the landlord's getting that reduction. And, and ultimately, through competition, you'll see that, that those benefits being passed on to you as well. And so that's really the gold standard. Um, in, in, you know, over in the House, there's uh, $17 billion, which again, $5.3 billion of that is going towards um, old compression. So it's, a, it's really about $11.7 billion. But out of their $11.7 billion, you know, all of that's going to compression. Um, so if you look at what the Senate versus the House the, the House has about twice as much, more than twice as much, going towards compression compared to what the Senate has at that $5.4 billion. Um, and so, you know, of course, what you know, we've all been talking a lot about is that the, you know, $14.2 billion of 0809 was the last large round of property tax relief whenever they came in after a school um, uh, SCOTUS, the, the Texas Supreme Court, found the school finance system unconstitutional. And that's when they raised or created the franchise, the margins tax, right? Uh, raised the cigarette tax um, and some other taxes, uh, the sales, uh, the motor vehicle sales tax to, to bring in and reduce by about a third that school district made its an operation property tax. So that was a way to raise taxes in order to cut other taxes, but it didn't, didn't turn out so well. Now, at least it's just new compression with surplus. But they need to get up to about $20 billion just in inflation adjusted dollars, not to mention you know, what population growth and stuff has been since then um, to meet that sort of real record amount. So they've got a long way to go. They've got $32.7 billion in surplus and even more. They have more than $60 billion in extra revenue if they were able to rein in you know, government spending. Um, so long story short, there's a long way to go. Um, I think there's some good within the Senate package, but there's a lot more they need to do towards compression for us to really feel substantial relief. I want to hone in on you. You obviously it, it focused on, you know, I, I think the, the approach we take in obviously is compression is superior. Uh, you know, when we talk about the contrasting the House versus the Senate approaches, the Senate, Senate leadership specifically seems focused on increasing the homestead exemption, which, as you mentioned, of course, means that only people that qualify for the exemption really benefit from that. And even then, you know, we're hard pressed to say that it's much of a benefit, uh, given if we don't also get, let's say, things like inflation um, or appraisal creep, um, uh, you know, reformed or addressed as well, just because in the past increases to the homestead exemption have primarily been eaten up, right? So any relief we would have seen has kind of fallen to the wayside because of those factors. But of course, you also mentioned just to kind of summarize it, right? On the House side, you know, they seem seemingly have, have kind of prioritized the appraisal cap reform approach, which to be clear from a Texans for fiscal responsibility perspective, we're not we're not against appraisal reform. We do think it's something that 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 does need to be done, but we certainly think that the the best way to take advantage of the historic opportunity that's provided this legislative session, given the 32.6 you know, or $32.7 billion budget surplus, is to use as much, if not all of that, right, to, uh, to compress, to buy down 
the the property tax overall and put us on a path to elimination of the tax, which, you know, that's that's our biggest objection, I think, to the leading proposals is that neither um, neither seem to want to take advantage of that historic opportunity, let alone put us on that path. Would you agree with that? I would, yeah, and, and I, I, I was, it was an omission on my part where that's usually where I like to start. <laughs> so, so thanks, Jeremy. I mean, I think, you know, what I've been saying here recently is we need to stop renting and start owning. We need to start being able to own our property. And um, as Tim always mentions quite, quite correctly, is that, look, it, the property tax is an, an immoral tax. It's one that we're not able to own our property. We don't have our God-given right to, to property and everything else, and we— so we, we ultimately have to eliminate it in order for us to be able to reap the benefits of our of our wares, of being able to um, have that opportunity to own our property, to do what we want with it, instead of renting from the government essentially forever, no matter where we live. And, um, you, you know, when you look at the House package, that $17 billion, like I said, only $11.7 billion is actual new compression. Um, but then you have these appraisal cap where they're reducing it, right? They're reducing it from 10%. Um, we're current, currently, it's 10% for homeowners with a homestead, right? That's your primary source of residence. It's 10%. No one else has a cap. Well, what they're doing is they're, they're, they're passing this along to everyone. So businesses, um, renters, so apartments, and everyone else would have a cap of 5%. So that sounds good, right, Jeremy? I mean, in general, I think if you ask most people on the street, do you want your cap at 10% or 5%? I think a lot of people would say, yes, give me 5%. The, the problem is, is that the devil's in the details, okay? Um, if you start to cap some people, what this does is it creates in, in, inequities throughout the property tax system. So you move into your house on uh, one side of the street, and you're, you know, you're, you're set in at the, the 5%, and so you're limited to how much your growth is in your property tax over time. Somebody else moves across the street, same exact house. Five years later, they've got to pay the market value and then that new property tax, and then they're limited at 5%. So you're actually getting a benefit on your side of the street <laughs> that the other person across the street is paying a lot more in property taxes for the same amount of services. That's just not, a, that's not an equal system. It's not a quote-unquote fair system overall. And what it does, if you look at what happened in Prop 13 in California, they did something very similar to where they limited the growth rate to only 1% per year, which sounds even better, right? But what it does, the research shows in this, is it creates what's called a lock-in effect, where it locks people into their property where they have no incentive to sell. Um, and, and, what, and what that does is it creates less available um, supply of property on the marketplace and drives all the other prices up, which creates an even worse situation for you over time. Because as we know, right, Jeremy, is that the, the real problem is government spending. We've really got to focus on government spending. And then if you do that, which we've talked about, spending limits on the local level, um, Briscoe Kane, Representative Briscoe Kane has a good bill on that. I think if you do something along those lines, we can really get control of spending and therefore taxes, um, making sure that they go lower, and, and, then, and then making sure they all go down to zero over time with the, with the methods that we've laid out with these buy-downs. Yeah, I think you hit on a few good important points there, right, as we kind of wrap up our, our topic here for property taxes. You know, we can't talk about these things in a vacuum and we can't address these or the, the legislature can't honestly attempt to address these things if they don't also uh, try to at least address or simultaneously address local government spending. Of course, as we know, as we've said several times, of course, the tax is levied at the local level, right? And so, you know, lawmakers, um, I think as, as a 
as Tim um, had indicated um, uh, last week in, in a post, he had talked about this is we're, we're kind of just addressing the symptoms as opposed to addressing the overall disease. Um, and we'll see, of course, we're only halfway through the legislative session and and we've seen uh, historically session to session that things have changed greatly um, over that time. But um, I thought it was important uh, to at least kind of walk through the differences and the varying approaches here in the legislature now that we're halfway through. Um, I'll pivot real quick as we kind of uh, get towards the end of uh, of today's episode. I want to remind folks that the House does convene today. The Texas House of Representative, uh, Representatives convenes at 2 p.m. today. I believe the Texas Senate convenes at 3 p.m. today. Um, you know, there's we're going to start to see a ramp up of legislation here over the next few weeks, Get uh, make its way through the committee process, make its way to each individual chamber's floor and get voted on and then eventually get sent to the opposite chamber, right? And so I want to implore folks, if you're interested, if you have not already subscribed to our vote notices, uh, you can do that at texastaxpayers.com slash subscribe. Uh, we send out vote notices to things that could potentially be on our fiscal responsibility index. Uh, so make sure uh, to check those out there. I like to pause at the end of every episode here and uh, see if there's any potential questions from anyone that might be listening in. So I'll give it a few seconds. Um, if you're interested in asking a question, please make sure uh, to request as much through Twitter spaces. Keep your question short uh, and brief, please, and uh, we'll try to get to it. So I'll, I'll pause for one second here. Okay, awesome. Well, we'll go ahead and end today's episode. Remind folks, we do have our weekly wrap-up podcast, Taxpayer Talks, that gets published on Thursdays. You can find that on our website, texastaxpayers.com, or your favorite podcast provider, if you will. And then, of course, we will be back next Monday with another episode of the week ahead. Vance, appreciate you joining us this morning. Tim, I apologize for the technical difficulties. Y'all have a good weekend. 